Well, good morning. Are you excited about life? Well, I hope you are because life is very exciting when it's in, in Christ. If it's not in Christ now, whoo, we're in trouble. Uh, today's message is part two of what I started last Sunday. And I want to brief you a little bit, especially for our guests and those who uh, we're not here, the, the Liberty students, they are back now uh, from break, so they're getting ready for exams, so be praying for them. But uh, we started talking about uh, the life of Joseph, and we introduced it uh, with a song and a dance. Uh, Joy Bundolf, she danced to a song by uh, William McDowell, and I read some of the lyrics. Let me read a few of them again, uh, give myself away. It says... Lord, my life is in your hands. Lord, I'm longing to see your desires revealed in me. Take my heart, take my life as a living sacrifice. So that's what we were talking about, is a living sacrifice. And I knew it wouldn't finish last week, and I can tell you up front, we won't finish this week either. But it's okay. Uh, we're going to start on it. Let's uh, start where we left off at last time, not where we left off, but in the middle there, in Romans chapter 11. Let's go there. If you go to Romans chapter 11, we're going to, verse. let's start in verse 33. Last time we started in a different verse. We're going to start in verse 33 this time. We are diligently trying to make some changes, and one of them is that machine right there. <laughs> it works all the time except Sunday. <laughs> so, my, my, my. Yeah, that's what it is, a Saturday wrist. <laughs> right. Now, we talked about how good God is in those areas last time. And let's start in verse 33. We won't preface it. You can, you can uh, get the message from last week online. It says, Oh, the death of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord who, uh, who became his counselor? Or who first given to him that it might be repaid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. Then we went to 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's recap that. Chapter 8. Uh, let's look in verse 6. We started last week in four, but we won't go there. We're just reviewing. And we were building the body up. That's what God wanted me to do last week, build the body up in just the things of how great he is and how much he loves us. And you are in his hands, and you are in his plans. It says in verse 6, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. Now from there last week we went to Genesis, but this week we're going to go to Romans chapter 12, and let's firm up our title, A Living Sacrifice. Verse 1, therefore, I urge you. In other words, I, I'm appealing to you. I'm beseeching you, the King James may say. I'm exhorting you, another version would say, by the mercies of God. Why is he doing all that? Because of what is, has already been said in chapters 9, 10, 11 culminating with that doxology, oh, the depth of the, both the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God. So he's saying, 
Therefore, I'm urging you, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. The title, A Living Sacrifice, our life should be a living sacrifice. We should be living sacrificially. That's what we should be living, sacrificially, because of the goodness of God, what he has done in our lives. No one can say, really, that I'm here because I decided that I wanted to be birthed. No one can decide that. You see? We were created by God. And God is the creator, and we are the creation, and he is the one who has us in the palm of his hand. <laughs> it's, it's so awesome that everything that you do, God knows it, and he is in control of it. And that's what we went through last week. And we just didn't get to verse 1 of, and 2 of, verse, of chapter 12. Let's keep going. This living sacrifice, and of course they knew exactly what they meant because it's not the Levitical priesthood, dead sacrifice where you're going to offer up something as a burnt offering or, or a sin offering. No, this, this has already been taken care of. Jesus Christ, he's the uh, total fulfillment, they call that word perpetuation, he's the total satisfaction for our sins. So we don't have to be concerned about uh, that sacrifice, but they understood that because of all that he's done, we love him because he first loved us. Then he's asking us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice or let's live sacrificially for the Lord. And it says, which is your spiritual service of worship. That's our spiritual service of worship to do this. And it says that, verse 2, and do not be conformed or pressed into the world's mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that transform, that word is the same as our metamorphosis. It's, it's a word that, the same one used in the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember when uh, Jesus was transformed, and Peter, James, and John, they were there. Uh, that was not just a, uh, the theologian said, a light shining on Jesus. No, this was through him. He was like, they knew he was transfigured. He was different. It was coming from within. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And that, and, and that um, just us being vessels of the Holy Spirit, we should be light to the world. That's what we should be. And so we should be transfigured, that's the word, be transformed, in our mind. Not just, we're not going to be, you know, uh, like Moses came down from the mountain, you, you go home from here, and they, they say, oh, don't look at me because you, you like bright sunlight. No, it's not like that, but your mind becomes just light because of the Holy Spirit shining on it. Also, when we transform this, it's by the word of God. You see, the, the word of God has to transform because we have different experiences in here. We have different knowledge in here. We have wisdom in here that is not of God. Would you agree with that? Because we live in a world and we were taught different things, and so, but we do have things in here that is of God. And so this transforming is what some would call sanctification, which is a setting apart unto God from everything that's not holy. Right? The world is not holy, is it? So sanctification is a setting apart from and setting apart to. Okay? And so that transformation is going to be taking place as long as we are in this earthen vessel. It's going to be taking place. We are being sanctified every day. And that's the, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Now, I just, I, I really, I'm excited about it. And so when it says that 
by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that, and, and that proving is, is a, through experience. Okay, it's through experience. You, you have an experience with God. God is not just something, uh, someone in the, in, in the way up there. God is not just out there. God is not just when you read the, read the, read the word of God. The word of God is Jesus. He is the word. But we're talking about a relationship with him, a spiritual relationship. And as we renew our mind, as we try things, we go out and practice things, then we start learning, oh, that, that, you know, I need work in this area, and I need work in this area. Oh, God has worked this, you know, a good thing in my life in this area. I can praise him for that. He's done a good thing in my life in this area. I can praise him for that. And so we, we have these experiences, and we are continually doing that so that we may prove what is that will of God is, and it's a total will, so please don't ever tell anybody, God has three wills, okay? He has a, a good will, he has an acceptable will, and he has a perfect will. And I don't want to do what's acceptable, I know, but he will, he will accept it. Because it's a will. No, no, no. <laughs> it's one will of God. Please remember that. One will, and that will is good. Acceptable does not mean in English acceptable, okay? Is in, in, in Greek, actually, it means well-pleasing, okay? So his will is good, it's well-pleasing, and it is complete. And that's what perfect is, complete. Okay. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2. Oh, you have it memorized. I know you do. We're talking about being a living sacrifice or living sacrificially. That's what we're talking about today. Now, you could quote it for me, but we're talking about Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And I know that in any, you read out of NIV, you read it out of New American Standard, which I read from, King James, I memorized from the King James, um, but if your life is going to be a living sacrifice, if you're going to live sacrificially, you're going to have to understand, I'm going to have to understand that I am, if it's King James, crucified with Christ. And if it's New American Standard, I can read it, you know, I, I have been crucified with Christ. That's the, the death of the old me. I was nailed to the cross with Christ. How about you? I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, they say, nevertheless, now if I've been crucified with Christ, everybody who was crucified died except one. That was who? Jesus Christ. Now, he, he was crucified. He did die, didn't he? He did die. So, so everybody died <laughs> that was crucified. But see, he, he rose again. And because he lives, we live. And since we were crucified with him, we died. But then, now we live. Nevertheless, it says, I live. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. How in the world can I be crucified? Nevertheless, I live. Okay. Because sacrificial living is that if I, we call it, I gave my life to Christ. Well, if you gave your life to Christ, you don't have a life. Is that right? We don't want to be like some that says, I gave my life to Christ, but it's my life that I'm going to live. You hear some people, especially young people, teenagers, they'll, they'll say, well, this is my life. I, got, I can't live your life. In those old days, you know, you lived in. This is my life. 
and it used to be a saying, I don't know what was it, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. They would say, get a life, right? Well, it's too late. <laughs> you know, I lost it. It was awesome. I don't want it back. Yeah. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me. Huh? He loves me. And he gave himself up. He was delivered up for me. That's what the scripture says. Who's talking? Huh? In Galatians. Y'all Christian? Okay. <laughs> okay, and he's talking, he, he, he made it personal, didn't he? Can we make it personal? Can we say that Jesus Christ delivered himself up, nobody took his life, he delivered himself up for you. Can you say that? He did it for me. Can you say it for me? Yeah, he did it for you, for me. That means, that's why people say, if you were the last person on earth, the only person on earth, he still would have died for you. He loves you. Sacrificial living. How does that relate to the life of Joseph? Because that's where we ended last week. Life of Joseph. Let's turn over to, to Genesis chapter 27. It means a lot. Because once we get saved, once we give our life to Christ... The Holy Spirit takes us on a journey of sacrificial living. Oh, I'm going to tell you, he takes you on a journey of sacrificial living. And really, truly, he's teaching me, and I'm sure he's teaching you, that it's not about you, really. It's not about me. You, you learn that when you become a parent. You learn that. And all of you who are not a parent, you haven't learned it yet but you will learn it, that uh, when you become a parent, it's not about you. It's about that little one that you just birthed, right? Because if you think it's not, then wait till they get hungry at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you say, hey, it's not about you, it's about me, I'm asleep. Leave me alone and see what happens. Okay? It's about them, and you learn that it's about them. And it's about them, when does it ever change? <laughs> oh, when does that ever change? Because we have adult daughters, and I tell you, we pray for them now. I mean, we have to labor in prayer for them because it's not about us, it's about them. When you bring a life into the world, you are responsible until the day you die. Right? Responsible. <laughs> I won't tell Chad what you did. <laughs> I recognize that mm. <laughs> of all the mm's in here, I recognize Susan mm. <laughs> yes, yes. You also realize that because we don't live, but we do live in Christ that our sacrificial living then becomes such that God is in control of our life. So we really need to seek God on everything, major decision that you have to make because you have to make sure you're in God's will. Because it's not about you, remember. It's not about your will. It's about God's will. And I know I struggle with that, and I'm sure it's more people struggle than, than, than me because I have desires. And sometimes we can't tell our desires from God's desires because we say, well, at least that's what I said, it, if, if this desire is in me, obviously it's not sin. God put it in me, so therefore it must be God. Could be, could not be. And those who live long enough know that sometimes your desires are not God's desires, even though they're not bad desires. 
sometimes the desires that you have might be God for now, but then he might change it. Okay? Our life is a sacrificial living, right? So when we look at Joseph, we say, uh, we start here in, in chapter 37, verse uh, 2, that Joseph was 17 years of age. And so if he's 17 years of age, is his life his own? Now I say that because of the covenant made with God made with Abram, and then we have, and change the name to Abraham, we have Isaac, we have Jacob, we have the 12 sons of Jacob. He's under covenant. He's under covenant. He belongs to God. And so, therefore, his life was not his own. We went through last week how his father favored him. We went through that. We went through uh, verse 4, where his brothers saw that their father loved him more than, his, than all his brothers, so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Probably we could change that said would not at the state they're in at that time. Well, how, how many know the guys that work on, in them too? We went through the verses that follow where he had two dreams and he told his dreams to his brothers. They hated him even more. Told his dreams to his brothers and his Father, that didn't go over too well. But in verses 11, it says, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Speaking of the dreams, he had about the stars and moon and sun. Verse 12. Then his brothers, I think we left it off somewhere in that neighborhood. Verse 12 says, Then his brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem. 13. Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send you to them. And he said, I will go. Then he said to him, Go now and see who about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. And now he was wandering around in verse 15 because uh, he couldn't find them. And a man asked him in verse 16, who are you looking for? You know, he said, well, I'm looking for my brothers. And he said, well, I overheard them. This is verse 17. Said they're going to move from there to Dotham. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dotham. Now, the fireworks start here. Now, obviously, the stage had been set beforehand. Is that true? It had been set by events that were orchestrated by who do you think? Do you, believe, do you believe that his brothers are really in control? Do you believe that, that Joseph is in control? Or do you really believe that his life is not his own? His life is a living sacrifice. God's going to use his people. He's going to use us to carry out his plan, his will, his purposes. Isn't that neat to know? Don't you want to be used by God? Yes. Yeah. Now, most of us who've lived long enough will say, uh, yes and no. Because we know that Job was used. Is that true? Or was this just the enemy and God could do nothing? What do you think? Huh? 
So we know that Satan was at work, but we know that God is in control. When you know that God's in control, you rest. And, and that's the great thing about the history. When you read Old Testament, you read these stories, you read these books, and, and, and it becomes oh, revealing that God is in control of every situation. He's in control. Nothing happens unless he allows it to happen. Nothing. And we can, we can usually get, get upset because he allowed something to happen that was not good, in our opinion. But our bodies are a living sacrifice. Are they not? Everything he created, everyone he created is his. Is that right? The potter can, and I think I heard Jason say that when he was up here uh, in, the, in, in the transition, that he's the potter and we're the clay. Well, if that's so, the potter can make what he wants to out of a vessel. Can he not? He can make a coffee cup, can he? And everybody might like that. But he can also make something that's not too nice, right? And if it's not the way he wants it, he can break it. He can do what he wants to do. So, how many want to be a Job? Huh? I don't see no hand, hands raised. Nobody want to be a Job. I thought you'd say, I want to be used by God. Oh. So, now I heard somebody say last time, Yes! Out loud, when I said, do you want to be used by God? Well, when I said, do you want to be Job? I didn't hear the same yes. But Job was used by God. So I'm just, all I'm trying to do is, is, is get us on the same level here, the plain reality, okay, and, and not in the cloud somewhere where we're saying, you know, well, hey, we're Christians, so yes, God, whatever you say, I'm yours, a living sacrifice. Let's be real. Come on. Yes, we do want it, but God, have mercy. Have mercy. Right? So God is at work here in this situation with Joseph. He's been setting the stage, setting the stage for it. And next week I might go into a little of that, I don't know. Uh, but he's been setting the stage, and I, I've talked about it before, that he has to do something because he's already, he already said some things. Didn't he? Didn't he? He already, he already told Abram when he made the covenant with him, he already told him that, hey, your descendants, they're going to they're gonna, uh, be in uh, a land that they don't know and they're going to be in captivity 400 years. You remember that? Genesis 15, chapter 15. He said that. Well, now is the, is the time where this starts coming to pass quicker. How he's going to get them into a land? He's using a means. Can he use you to do some things that bring about some great things for the history of the world? Can he do that? Yeah. Yeah. And I keep going back to Job sometimes because things are not so good all the time uh, when he does that because we all are still learning and we forever will our descendants after us until Jesus comes and culminates this thing going to be learning from Job. We're going to be learning from it. What a marvelous testimony Job is. When you see Job, when you get there in heaven, when you see Job, you say, Job, you help me. Man, you were used mighty by God. I wish he would have used me like that, man, because everybody knows my name. Everybody in Christianity knows Job. 
Everybody don't know Abishaw. They don't know. Everybody don't know. If I ask you who's that, everybody don't know that. Everybody knows Joe. Do you want to be used minded by God? Everybody knows Joseph. Okay. So here we are. We we got got this thing set. And so verse 18, that's where we are, verse 18. And when you see Emily sometimes, thank her because we got a teenager back there on the PowerPoint being trained and stuff like that. She's already been trained. She's doing a great job keeping up with me. Uh, (laughs) As I said, I'm going to do all the 37. We're going to skip chapter 38, all 39 through 50. And I would say, Emily, it's going to be hard to follow you. You're going to be skipping here, there, and all over this place. Be, be merciful on Emily. I said, okay. I gave you a chance to get 18, right? Okay. When they saw him from a distance and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. Ooh. Put him to death. I wonder, could they have done it? They couldn't have done it anyway. Why not? Because that's not God's plan. Right? He's going, God is already, in his mind, he's already going to have some sons like Joseph. Right? Okay. They plotted against the Lord. They're going to put him to death. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. This is a cistern. And we will say, a wild beast devour him, Father. We tried our best, but the beast just overpowered us. We couldn't do anything about it. Then they say, then let's see what will become of his dreams. They didn't know that they too are living sacrifices. They didn't know that. See, they are being used by God to bring about God's plan, and they didn't even know it. But they were acting out of hatred, weren't they? Now, you know the stage is being set. Come on. You know the stage is being set for our Messiah that, oh, who was used? They thought, you know, he's a thief stealing from the treasury, stealing from the bag, turning our master over for some money. He thought he was doing one thing. He didn't know he's being used to bring about the purposes of God. The Pharisees didn't know it. No, they didn't know it. Because they say, and Satan didn't know. He thought it had him. Right? Because he's been at work <laughs> ever since the beginning, he's been at work trying to get this seed out of this earth. He's trying. He can't do it. Here comes his dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him. Throw him um, in the pit, and we'll say the wild beast devoured him. Then let's see what becomes of him. Verse 21. Then Reuben heard this. Now I know if you heard uh, 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 a plot against your sister or your brother, you, wouldn't, you, would, you would stand up and be like a mighty man and fight him off. So you're not going to touch this boy. You know, you got to come through me first. And I'm the eldest. So you try it if you want to. See, so Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, let us not take his life. That's bold. Reuben further said to them, shed no blood. Oh, that's good, Reuben. Throw him into this pit that is in the, the wilderness. 
but do not lay hands on him. Now, of course, it said that he was doing this so that he can rescue him later and restore him to his father. Now, that was a bold plan that was nice, and it seemed to work, except God is in, in this thing. So, they, so it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped him of his tunic, his, the mother-colored tunic that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit, and the pit was empty without any water. Now, you see the scene. You see the, the, the performers on stage. There is Joseph by his brothers going, getting thrown into a pit. How is Joseph going to the pit? Brothers, you shouldn't do this. How's he going? Huh? Kicking, screaming, right? Pleading. You say, well, that's not in the Bible. Are you sure? What do you think? If I were there, if you were there, guaranteed you'd been screaming. Because you know they hate you. They done took your coat, right? They're going to throw you in this pit. You don't know how deep it is. You don't know what's in there, do you? You don't know where the water's in there until you hit the bottom. You don't know where the lion's in there. You don't know what anything is in there, do you? He got thrown in there. And they said that these cisterns, he couldn't get out because it was more like a uh, narrow and then wide at the bottom so you can't put your feet out here and, you know, climb up there. It was not that narrow. So you're not getting out unless somebody gets you out. You could die in there and your bones be in there. God is at work. He's at work. What's going to happen here? Verse 25. Now, it should have read, after they did this, they sat down and cried and moaned. Tore their clothes, put, threw dust up in the air. But it says, they sat down to eat a meal. That's some pretty bad brothers. What don't you think so? Would you want some brothers and sisters like that? No. <laughs> and they raised their eyes and looked. Behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead with their camels bearing aromatic uh, gum and balm and myrrh on their way to bring them down to Egypt. Now, of course, they get a thought. Who gets this thought? Judah said to his brothers, what profit is, this, is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? So Judah's thinking, what? Maybe I can save him also because they, they, they want to kill him. So maybe I better try to save him. Maybe he's thinking that. But whatever way he's thinking, we know it's God's in it, right? God has to get Joseph out of that pit and get him to Egypt. Would you agree? He has to get him there. Now, of course, you know that because we know the story. At the time, if we were there sitting with the brothers or watching it on DVD, right, <laughs> we wouldn't know unless we had seen it before. We wouldn't know. It'll be a suspense, right? Right, it'll be suspense. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then we have two. We have Reuben and we have Judah is trying to save Joseph, of course, by the grace of God. And his brothers listened. They listen because of the grace of God. Right? Then some Mennonite traders passed by, so they pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit. Now, how do you think Joseph responded? 
you dirty dogs. How in the world you throw me in thing? Or do you think he said, thank you, brothers, thank you. How do you think he responded? We don't know, do we? We don't know. We don't know. But I think he was, I think he, he was probably upset, but I think he was beginning to be thankful they pulling him up because he didn't know what was going to happen yet because he's being pulled up. He's thinking maybe they'll come to this things, maybe they'll plan with him. He's going to give him his coat back and he's going <laughs> to go back to dad. See, that's probably what he's thinking. See, I don't know. I don't know. And they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Here is the uh, foreshadow of a deliverer, because Joseph is a type of deliverer, isn't he? Is he? He's a type of deliverer. That's being sold for 20 shekels of silver. Was our Lord and Savior betrayed for money also? You see? Yeah. See, we have many examples of a deliverer that people try to gain money from. How do you think he went with the Ishmaelites? I'm glad to go with them because I'm glad to get away from you. Give my coat back anyway. No, they're not going to. They grab him because, see, once he found out that, that they're going to sell him, now he's kicking and hollering again and screaming. Okay. Now they're going to have to do some things. That, be quiet, boy. You know, I bought you. You're a slave now. They can't hold him. They, they, got, to, they got to tie this man up. They got to put him. That's a horrible thing that's going on. Here to this to to what did Joseph do this wrong? Did he do anything wrong? I mean, it didn't say, right? You can say well, he had pride because he shouldn't have uh, told his dreams to his brothers, and it goes, it's gonna happen anyway, right? He did nothing wrong. He was obedient to his father, wasn't he? His father told him to come back. Go check them out and give me, come back with a, with a report. I want to know how the brothers are doing, the welfare of the brothers. I want to know what the welfare of the flock. You go and you, I trust you because you're going to tell it like it is. You're not afraid. You're going to tell me if they're, they're, they're doing uh, something bad. You're going to tell me, son, I trust you. You know, you're the favorite. Go and come back. Job didn't do anything. Jesus didn't do anything. Then they brought Joseph to Egypt. Now Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. He tore his clothes. He tore his garments. Now Reuben is upset. God sees this. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is not there. As for me, where am I to go? Why would he say something like that? Because he's the oldest. He's the elder brother. And he's supposed to be the responsible one. So they took Joseph's tunic, slaughtered a male goat, dipped the tunic in blood, and they sent the very colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, we found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. They know his son. You know, they know his son. Who is going to be wearing a mother-colored tunic, you know? <laughs> the bear, you know? <laughs> then they examined it. He examined it and, and said, this is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Job has surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth on his arms, and mourned for his son many days. Then all his sons... And all his daughters rose to comfort him. Did you know that, that, that uh, Jacob had more than one daughter? Because we know about Dinah. Yeah, Dinah. Um, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, surely I will go down to Sheol 
in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Mennonites sold him to Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's official. I want you to remember this, the captain of the bodyguard. His name is Potiphar. He's Pharaoh's official. He is the captain of the bodyguard. I want you to remember that for when we pick it up again. I don't know whether we'll pick it up next week or the week after next. If we don't pick it up next week, we'll pick it up next week after next. I don't think we're going to pick it up next week because I have a special next week. So we'll pick it up week after next in, in chapter 39. We're skipping over chapter 38. And we'll go right to 39, which is the account uh, when he gets to the part of his house, what happened and some of the tests we go through and how can we glean some of the things that, that uh, God has for us in this. And, and normally, I wouldn't go verse by verse and, and, and through a part of the scripture, but I really believe that this is uh, a gleaning opportunity for us because many of us, like I said last week, are going through many things. And sometimes we don't recognize the hand of God in some of these things. I'm trying to help us to put us uh, on such a, found, found, uh, a sound foundation in Christ that I don't care what comes. I don't care what comes in our lives. It doesn't matter. We know that we're on secure ground, that we're in God's hand, that God's in total control, that he's going to bring about an end to this thing that's going to bring him glory because that's why we were birthed to glorify him for his glory. We exist for him. We're from him, through him, and to him. Let's stand. Father, thank you for the messages that you have given us from Joseph. Father, we really want to glean. We've read the story many times. But you put it in your word and you mention it in different places, reports about these events, different places, because you want it to be fresh in our, our minds. You want us recounting these things throughout the Bible over and over again because you want us to be doers of your word, not just hearers only. And the enemy wants to ravish us. He wants to tell us lies. He wants to tell us that God doesn't care. He wants to tell us that God is not in control. He wants to tell us you need to take matters into your own hands because nobody else is going to look out for you. If you don't look out for number one, nobody else is going to look out for you. He wants to tell us all these lies because he wants to, to dishonor God. We are intent on glorifying God in this body. We want our lives to be a living sacrifice. We want to live sacrificially. And that means that whatever comes down the pipe, we're going to know that we can seek you and find out what does this mean, God. We know that you don't find fault with us According to James chapter 1, we know that we can come to you and ask you and you reveal to us the wisdom that we need without finding fault. Regardless of what we have done and what we haven't done, you won't find fault. You will give us wisdom. And you're going to bring it through to completion. You're just asking us to trust you trust you. Don't waver. Don't be like a wave of the sea, tossed to and fro. Trust me. You're in my hands. I love you. I created you. I love you. I knew you in the womb. I formed you. Trust me. Trust me. I love you just the way you are. I'm not going to leave you that way, but I love you just the way you are. Any changes, I'll make those changes. You just stay on a potter's 
wheel. I'll make you into the vessel that I have created you for. Father, we thank you for that. We're asking you to help us, Lord, that in the times that we struggle in that area, give us more grace, Lord. Give us more grace. Matter of fact, we're asking you to multiply grace and peace to us by allowing us to, as we're having our devotional times, as we're reading the word of God, to know you more and more. We're asking that. While the, your hairs are bowed and your eyes closed, if there's someone here that you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you haven't given your life to him, today is the day that you can become that living sacrifice and in the hands of a loving Savior. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and put it down, please? If you're here and you say, I have strayed from God, I have not been in an up-to-date relationship like I should have been, but I'm, I want to come back today. I want to be that prodigal to come back right into the Father who has open arms for me. If that's you today, just raise your hand and put it back down. We'll pray for you if you want to be included. Anyone? We'll pray for you. We have a prayer team and, uh, with uh, Elder Sam, I think, with you, and uh, Barry will come over there. And if anyone wants someone to pray for them for comfort, encouragement, exhortation, then over here, Sam and Barry will pray with you. hear anything, get anything, they'll give it to you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity that we can come even after the service, Lord, and, and pray with people who will, who will stay after service and just pray for me. They'll pray with me. They'll believe with me. 